Welcome to Leading on Purpose with Nicole Bendeley. What does it take to lead yourself and your teams to high performance with ease? Today, you'll discover simple practices that separate exceptional leaders from the rest. Now, here is your host, Nicole Bendeley. Hi there. Welcome to this week's episode of Leading on Purpose. I'm Nicole Bendeley. I want to start truly by thanking all of you, each and every one of you, for tuning in and listening to these episodes that were truly all about a passion project for me, Um, really just wanting to help as many leaders and teams as I can to thrive more and struggle less. And so a genuine thank you to all of you who continue to tune in and and share the love uh, with your friends and colleagues um, with these these episodes. So so thank you. Um, And to keep having an impact, I really would appreciate it if you would you know, subscribe and follow and and give us five stars wherever you listen to this podcast, because the more people who follow, the more people who will discover it and the more people we can support. So thank you in advance for that. And also, I just love connecting with people and sharing as much experience as I can. So feel free, just connect with me on LinkedIn, start a conversation, follow me on Twitter. I'm always happy to, to share and support um, uh, those who want to tap into the best of themselves and those they lead. So feel free to reach out. Now for today's episode, today's episode is all about productivity And it's interesting, this is timely for me in particular, I started working with a a new coach and mentor recently who introduced me to a concept that I want to share with you, which is the concept of ROE, which is different than ROI that we're so focused on in business. ROE is the return on energy. And it really got me thinking, how much return am I really getting every day on all of the energy that I put out there? Um, And how much energy are you and your team members really getting in return? So many people right now feel like they are pushing upstream, expending so much more energy now than they were before the pandemic. And it just doesn't feel like we're getting any significant return on what we put out. And in fact, there's research to support this, right? Research at Harvard, uh, researchers at Harvard Business School and New York University found that the number of meetings, okay, I know, I know I am, I'm zoomed out, I'm done. The, the, the number of meetings that we have to part- we participate in on a daily basis is getting out of control. And this, the, these researchers at Harvard Business um, School and New York University found that the number of meetings have increased by 13% over the past year. And while the average length of meetings have declined, the total time consumed by meetings have increased significantly, and the majority of organizations have yielded very little return for the increased amount of time and energy that is being dedicated to meetings. And we know that one of the biggest differences between high-performance teams and those that struggle to keep up is that those that thrive know exactly where to focus their energy. They know what to be fanatically focused on, what practices, what behaviors, what goals, what initiatives that must take priority, what sits in the essential drawer and not just the important drawer, right? And so that's what today is all about. Today is all about what the best leaders, organizations, teams do to remain productive. And that's why my guest, Adriana Girdler, is here. She's going to help us crack the productivity code today. So let me introduce Adriana. Adriana is one of Canada's foremost business productivity specialists. Armed with a Lean Six Sigma black belt, awesome, and over 20 years of experience in productivity and process improvement methodologies, she launched her company, Cornerstone Dynamics, in 2008. Adriana has worked in various industries, leading companies to improve what they do, how they do it, and their bottom line. She also holds both project management professionals and certified engineering technologist designations. Adriana is an entrepreneur, professional speaker, workshop leader, and author, author of Efficiency Matters, the Spark Shift book series, and the Visual Vision Statement Workbook. She's also the creator, and you're all going to love this one, absolutely, um, Slay Project Management, which is the only five-hour online practical 
project management course that takes you from concept to close so you can slay your projects. And you need to check out her TEDx talk. It's phenomenal. And um, her articles as a contributor to HuffPost and Thrive Global, as well as her YouTube channel. So she just loves sharing best practices just as much (laughs) as I do. There are lots of tools out there and best practices for you to tap into through Adriana. So welcome, Adriana. Thank you for joining me today. I appreciate it. Well, thank you, Nicole. I really appreciate you inviting me. Absolutely. So let's start, Adriana. I'd love to just better, I'd love for you to share your own journey, right? How did you discover what led you to this passion of helping individuals and teams and organizations really improve their productivity? Oh my goodness. Um, a long, long time ago when I was a little girl and I'm, I'm being facetious and laughing at it tongue in cheek, but there's some reality to that. Um, you know, I've always been an organized individual and it's something that gave me a lot of grounding because, um, and I have no problem sharing this, my own childhood and growing up was chaotic. So it was only until I entered university that I actually, uh, stumbled upon Franklin Planner Systems. I don't know if you Oh, yes. That. Franklin Planner Systems. I stumbled upon them and fell in love. I was like, oh my goodness, oh my goodness, there's this tool and technique that I can actually get organized because that was so lacking in my whole growing up portion back then. It was very chaotic. And so that kind of is what started it. And so that was really the catalyst for me of, there's a different world. You mean I can be more organized and it really correlated to who I am as an individual. Now, fast forward, um, I always knew because of the Franklin planner system, they would teach you about goal setting and stuff like that. I always knew from my goal setting that I wanted to have my own company. I didn't know what, I didn't know when. And I remember because with the system that actually tells you to save your stuff for seven years, because you can use it for tax purposes and all that other mm-hmm. stuff. And I remember going through my seven year set and I was going through it to, you know, recycle and get rid of because I'm also lean six Sigma and you don't keep stuff if you don't need them. Uh, and uh, I saw something that said, oh, like in 2000, I wrote down in 10 years, I'm going to have my own company very high level goal. I just didn't know consulting company. I didn't know what. And I laughed because I saw that when I opened up my own in 2008. And I was like, oh my goodness, isn't that funny how when you put something out Mm -hmm. there, it comes back to you. So, you know, the catalyst of getting it started is not necessarily that it was in my mind's eye forefront of, I'm going to be doing this and here's how I'm going to do it. I always knew I was going to do it. It's just that all my stepping stones looking back all connect. I didn't understand that they were connecting at the time, but they were all connecting. And it was when I finally got my master uh, black belt uh, through York University with a very intense program that I met a whole bunch of other different industry individuals and through meeting them and talking to them. And of course, I was very well versed in Lean Six Sigma and um, and and like Lean and Six Sigma. I was just doing this as a formality uh, that people said, oh my goodness, can you help us? Can you help us? And that's literally when I made the decision okay, you know what? I'm going to do this. I'm going to dabble. And then I just got so busy that I quit my full-time job at a very well-known, very comfortable organization that I could have easily stayed in and have grown and climbed up the ladder. But I just knew, you know, taking the leap of faith and doing something for yourself that actually helps other people and you have complete control over it is, those are opportunities that, you know, when they're there, take it. Absolutely. Take it. So that's kind of the journey is giving you the full well-rounded story. Nice. <laughs> nice. Well, you all can't see this, but I have the benefit of being able to see Adriana's smile and uh, as she lights up about, you know, her journey, your journey, Adriana, which is wonderful. So, you know, talk to me a little bit about what you're hearing from those that you work with and, and support and your clients over this past year, what have been the, the themes, you know, and what's keeping people up at night that, that you're hearing from, you know, those leaders that you're working with? Yeah, it's, it's interesting because prior to COVID, leaders understood and knew, yep, we have to fix our internal ways of working. Because I think what your listeners may not realize is 
um, you know, what my organization does is we go in and we help other organizations fix the way they work internally. So we don't work on the product or the service. They do an amazing job at that. They have a team to do that. But what happens is how you do your product and service internally is what usually doesn't get looked at. And then you get a lot of broken processes, a lot of broken ways of working. People get a lot of very frustrated. Uh, and that's what we help streamline and make efficient and effective and, and everything is your internal ways of working. So prior to COVID, um, it, companies understood that. They had strategies around it because you're in the office. We need now to fix a certain, let's say, procurement process because we're not getting our contracts out on time, as an example. Um, so, you know, they would hire us and we would get a, you know, we would get a team together. We would collect current state information, do workshop for future state, probably executed in a project all of that fun stuff. COVID hit, boom, all of that stuff stopped because A, those processes didn't work anymore because it was different. Everyone was working from home, et cetera. And I found what, I mean, I was very blessed because none of my current projects stopped. So I was very grateful and very thankful for all my clients uh, who continue to do the work. So I didn't have any of that to worry about, but they weren't taking on new projects and anything that was being spoken about was canned because nobody knew how long are we going to be out for? What's the impact? And if anything, COVID really highlighted, and let's say you are, you have an iceberg and the water level is going down, how big their problems actually were. Because it was covered up before. Because when you're in the office, people can jump on calls, help other people. You can yell in the hallway. You can grab someone to, oh my goodness, don't tell so-and-so. This has just fell through the cracks. And you can do that. As soon as everybody went to, you did not, you did not have that opportunity. So they started to realize how poor their internal systems were. So a lot of my clients and organizations were scrambling just to get just to figure out how to survive those first three, six months. Right. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So that was, that was really fascinating. And I kept on saying to them, I mean, you know, you know, when you go back to the office, because you're going to have a different way of working, you're gonna have a hybrid method. You really have to start looking at your internal processes, just like we have an expectation as individuals that our government should be looking at risk mitigation plans for future pandemics. Right. Because if they don't, if we don't learn from this pandemic, as countries, what not to do for the next one, how pissed off are you going to be? Yeah, absolutely. I'm already angry. Like, <laughs> I'm, know, like I'm already you know, frustrated. Like how many shutdowns yeah. have some companies have, or, or uh, countries have been in? And it's like, seriously, are we not learning anything? So when we have another pandemic, because let's be honest, we will have another pandemic. When we do, if we repeat these same mistakes, shame on us mm-hmm. because Absolutely. these are all the learnings. So take that same concept and throw it into companies. So here they are, have all these learnings. So there's this, when everything kind of whatever nor- the new normal is, cause it's not yet, you're going to be seeing a lot of internal sort of processes and different ways of working and more agility and flexibility and more standardization because I need to be able to just hand it off to someone without worrying that you have everything and you maybe can't take care of it because you're busy with some other stuff or you leave the organization. So that's probably, I think the shock of how poor the processes internally actually are Mm -hmm. and perhaps, you know, they should have taken a look at it. Do you know what I mean? Earlier, but now it's to the forefront and that what they have to do to really, it's not just about your product and service. It's how you do your product and service, which is really important. So that's probably the wake up call. And now the next step is how do we keep people and not burn them out? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Because that's the next thing that's happening right now is people are burnt out. People love working from home. Yes, there's a lot of pros, but the cons are, it's quite interesting what the cons are. And what, and, and share, you know, what's interesting. I I keep sharing this line that my husband has shared with me, you know, we're not working from home. We're living at work. Um, and, and that's exactly what it feels like. And I don't have the staffs off the top of my head, but you know, the number of hours per week that people are working on average have increased since COVID not, you know, uh, those who have been fortunate enough to continue working, um, they've, they've increased, not been pulled back, but I don't think that means productivity has increased, right. (laughs) Necessarily to the degree that the number of hours have increased. Well, it's, it's interesting. I, I, 
it's, it's, I wish I could be so black and white and be really clear and succinct and say, this is it. Because productivity, depending on what you measure, has increased in the sense that I get a lot more done in my home office than I would if I was at the office because I'm not interrupted. Mm-hmm. Right. So, yes, that's true. But the flip side of that is, um, I'm constantly working. So I'm actually working more than I should be because it's really easy for me to just be in my office and continue something or to start a meeting a lot earlier. I know a lot of large global organizations, unfortunately, have uh, have started to go, well, we're global, we're across different um, time zones. It's okay if you join a call at 5 a.m. because, you know, <laughs> because it's we're all working from home now, so to speak. But what happens is people still work till 5, 6, 7, right? So it's just a longer day. Uh, the flip side of it too, and, and I think when I hear organizations who are not, who've gotten rid of their physical space, I'm like, oh, that's so short-sighted. Yeah. Because the other part that we don't have right now, and it is shown, is creativity and innovation is totally impacted and is lacking because of all of our remote working. Remote working is great for daily tasks, for repetitive tasks, for individual work. When I really got to, you know, focus and get something done, it's fantastic because I minimize my disruptions. But from a standpoint of meetings, it's terrible because it's back to back. We get very burnt out. And from creativity and innovation perspective, it's really hard to be creative and innovative on virtual calls. It's actually almost, I find it very impossible because then I got to fight with people to turn on their camera, number one. I know. (laughs) Well, let's come back to that. We're going to come back after break. Let's unpack how do we measure productivity? What is it? What are the elements that really drive it? And what are the, the, the triggers, like what are the flags that we should be aware of within our teams to, to determine, do we need to, you know, pull some levers here to strengthen our productivity? So we'll be right back with Adriana after break. Find out what makes the most successful people tick. Keep listening to the Voice America Empowerment Channel. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. One of the many things this past year made clear is that the world of work has been forever changed, and it is especially evident in the way leaders must now lead if they want the best from their people. At the Waterstone Culture Institute, we provide leaders with the tools and practices most essential to high-performing teams and cultures. Discover the three things the most effective leaders will do in 2021 with our free webinar. Visit waterstonehc.com slash culturewebinar and watch it today. Find out what's happening on the Voice America Talk Radio Network by keeping up with us on Twitter. You can find us at Voice America TRN. You are tuned into Leading on Purpose with Nicole Bendeley. Discover more about Nicole and how the team at Waterstone Human Capital helps leaders to build high-performance teams and cultures at waterstonehc.com. Now, back to Leading on Purpose. All right. Welcome back, everyone. So I just want to uh, let you know that you can learn more about Adriana and uh, gain some really great strategies and best practices. Check out her work, uh, her website at cornerstonedynamics.com. Also check out her YouTube channel at Adriana Girdler. So just search that on YouTube and you'll get some amazing, super short, right? Bite-sized yes. videos, which yeah. is which are awesome, right? Yeah. Just, just get what you need and then get back to work. Absolutely. <laughs> Apply the best practices, right? <laughs> Be productive. Don't waste time watching YouTube videos, except when except they're Adriana. Mine. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> mine are awesome. <laughs> they are actually, they're really good. Um, oh, and so I want to come back to, measuring productivity. So what, 
we use the word be more productive. We got to be more productive. And for so many people, including Mm -hmm. myself, for me, that's get more done in the lot of time that we have, but it can't be that black and white. So what in my mind anyway, so what are, how do we measure productivity? Yeah, it's, it's very interesting. Cause I mean, I, you know, I, I read a lot of stuff. I see white paper stuff of that nature. And I mean, being someone who constantly works in the world of efficiency and effectiveness, we talk about improving productivity, but in a different way, because you have to understand there's a paradigm shift. We don't want to think of traditional productivity of get more done in less time because you could get more done in less time and churn out really bad quality work. And is that productive when I have to go back and rework all of that? In my world, that is so wrong, so red flag. Um, I would rather spend a little more time getting it right the first time than worry about the amount of time I get it in. So it's not about time being the end result measurement. Sure, we use time and you know profit, I mean, as measurements to see how well we're doing for whatever we decide to do. And usually we call them uh, wastes in the system. So are we over-processing, over-producing, are we waiting, things of that nature. And there's, and that comes from my lean Six Sigma world, but it's very transferable everywhere you go. But, you know, I even like to take a step back and now this is my project management world coming into play. And I think it's more strategy and makes a lot more sense. And, and, and that is, Productivity is being able to get what you strategized for your planning year done in an effective and efficient way and translated to the end user where they completely understand what they have to do the first time. If you can do that well, you are productive. Now, how do you go about doing that? You have to be prepared. You have to understand what you're doing. You have to put, you know, really good uh, plans together. You need to encompass people. So, you know, doing all of that is very productive. It's productive work. It's getting you to an end result. I should only touch something once. If I touch something once and I transform it, I'm productive. If I have to touch something two, three times to transform Mm -hmm. it, I'm not productive. So I'd rather measure productivity in the amount that I have to touch it to transform than in the amount of time that I do it in. So I would rather spend three hours transforming something right once than spend one hour four times transforming something to get it right. Just, mm-hmm. right? I love that. So, yeah. You know, it, it, so it becomes a different, because I, I think what people forget is quality. And, mm-hmm. and in the world that I live in, it's quality is everything. The customer, the value to the customer, get it right the first time. Not only that, if you get it right the first time, it's less work for you. Do I really want to go back and rework things? No. So, so that kind of high level concept can be applied to everything and anything. And I sometimes, my own team says, Adriana, you got to be more specific. You can't say everything and everything, but, <laughs> <laughs> but it's true. <laughs> Right. I, you know, because you can take it from a production line, a packaging line, you can bring it to a project, you can bring it to an executive strategy session, a training session. I, I, I think what people forget is that everything that they're doing is transformative. So mm-hmm. you're transforming things, you're transforming an order that comes in to giving it out to a customer as a product. You have strategies and concepts and ideas that are being created uh, from a visioning aspect of executives would then get transformed into executionable tasks that are going to give an end result and hopefully either increase productivity, make things more streamlined, whatever it may be. But that to me is productive. And I see a lot of organizations that are unproductive because all they look at is get it done fast, get it and just get it out the door. But then they don't they don't take into account the bigger picture. You got to look at all the steps and you can't just isolate and look at it at something in isolation. Like, look, I got that. I have a client right now. Um, They're they're a logistical company and, you know, very very successful logistical company, very great in customer service. And what their customer sees is they're getting what they need, but they're drowning inside. They're drowning because Mm -hmm. 
they're they're not productive. Yeah, they tr- they're churning out. They have a lot more. It's amazing how COVID just increased their customer base the whole nine yards. But when I look at them, I would say they're not a productive company because they're not doing things standardized, streamlined. They don't. Uh, they're not spending the time because in their mind's eye, they don't have the time because it's so myopic, right? So it's teaching them if you want to get out of this you're going to need to give something up temporarily in order to devote time towards it to get out of it, right? Like at some point, if you're drowning and you're flailing your arms and you need to catch, um, you know, either like a rod that someone's passing off to you in order to grab so that you can be to safety or even a life jacket or a life preserver that gets thrown your way, at some point, you're going to have to stop flailing your arms. Right. (laughs) Right. To catch it and look yeah. where it went. That may be for 10 seconds in that scenario, right? But it, you have to stop momentarily to course correct and go to the right direction for anything. Think about it. Like even if you're driving a car and, oh my God, you're trying to avert an accident, you you do. You very momentarily, briefly stop course correct because that's how our brains work. So it's mm-hmm. the same concept within businesses. They don't want to stop and course correct. Well, how in the heck are you going to move forward and get on the right track? So then, then what happens is they perpetuate their unproduct on them being unproductive, right? And inefficient and ineffective. And then they continue that cycle because they're so afraid to stop for a little bit. And the stopping is not a complete stop. You could be strategic in how you do it, but it's 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 quite interesting because everyone gets so caught up and they just forget taking a step back. Let's look at this a little more logically. Right. We're working on autopilot. We just keep going, going, going. Right. Um, so what questions? People do this too. Sorry. And people no, do this all the time. People do this all the time with themselves personally. So yeah. what I'm saying is very transferable to an organization, um, senior executive teams or running companies, departments, managers, and individuals. That's so crazy. Yeah. So, well, on that point, I want to start with the leaders and then I want to look at us as, as normal people every day. What, what, what can we do to be, you know, more productive as individuals, but from a leader perspective, when they're uh, for leaders who are listening and, and they're thinking about their team's productivity, what questions should they be asking themselves or what questions should they and their team be asking to assess, you know, opportunities to strengthen productivity or, or to even determine, you know, is this a, a real issue for us here? Well, one thing I recommend to every single organization um, is what is your uh, project board? Call it an initiative board. What are your major activities that your organization, your department, your team is working on? So this could be a cascading effect, right? So there should be an overarching one for the organization. You're not going to list everything. There should be one that then goes one level below to a department and one level below to a team. You need to know what are the major activities people are working on. Number one, I'm surprised at how many times people go in and I'm like, hey, what are you working on? Well, yeah. I got this. And well, what's your department working on? Well, I don't know. Well, how do you know that you're not cross, you're not duplicating effort? Like just even that, like seriously, that's really unproductive. So yeah, or even, you know, it's like deer in headlights sometimes when yeah. I ask the question, you know, what are what does success look like for your team? Or what are the top three priorities for your team? Right. And yeah. more often than not, it's not throwing anybody under the bus here. It's like, I, I, I don't know. I, I don't know, know what I'm working on. And are they, you know? Yeah. Um, so, yeah. And, and now just to build off what you just said about priorities, because that's my step two, is um, I have a YouTube video on this too, by Perfect. the way. <laughs> so people need to look at it. Um, so, and then your step two is you need to prioritize all those activities and you usually do it weekly. And the reason why I say that is because projects, activities, whatever, I don't care what you call it, initiatives, if it has a start, and an end date, and it's a point in time where you're going to be implementing it, and it's something, it's it's going to change, it's going to transform something. Remember, it's all about transformation. Um, then it's 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 an activity that you need to monitor because it's impacting either ways of working, people, both profitability. Like it impacts a lot of stuff. So prioritization is the next thing. A lot of people don't know how to prioritize. Companies don't know how to prioritize. I don't know how many times I go in, and you probably get this too. 
I asked them, you know, like you said, what are your top three priorities? A lot of the answer I get is, or here are three pro- major project projects, on. as opposed to overarching priorities that support the goal, the bigger and then, goal, right? Th- but then I say to them, I go, great. That's awesome that you've labeled three. I think that's awesome. Which one is number one? Uh, well, yeah. they're all number one. Well, you can't have them all number one. I said, what happens if all three take for whatever reason, which, and and I promise you most projects, they duplicate resources. So where are you going to pull your resources to go on? I don't know. So you're, you know, so now when you're in a bind and you really need to be quick, like that lifesaver, right? I need to really Mm -hmm. quickly stop, change the dime, change direction. You can't do it because you have no idea what really is important. So prioritization. So I teach people, there's nothing wrong with changing your priorities on stuff. You finish stuff up. What was number one yesterday, maybe now number five. It's okay. There's nothing wrong with that. But the fact is you now have a better idea going in and it's okay because then it shifts your priority. Now I know as a team member, this is where it becomes really powerful and and productivity for employees is I shouldn't have to, and I don't know how many times I see this and you probably get it too. Employees will not move forward until their manager tells them what to do next. Right. There's a lack of I'm, that sense I'm of like, empowerment. But you know what? Whose fault is that? It's the leader. Absolutely. <laughs> to it, right? Like it's, <laughs> Absolutely. It's actually a little bit of both, but it has to come. It has to start it with the leader. It has to start with the leader. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, you know, so if you want to, we talk about empowering, we talk about people making decisions. All corporations want individuals who feel empowered and connected to what they're doing. So they take initiative and ownership. Well, then there's a role of the organization. What's your, what's your vision statement? What's your strategies? Are you setting up your team for success? Are you telling them what the priorities are so that they themselves as an individual have all of this great information, strategic information, which everyone should be using anyway, to make daily decisions on what they're going to work for and be able to say to someone, because I don't know how many knocks on the door people get, I need you to do this. This is really important to for me, but it's not important for me. So let's negotiate now. This is my top three priorities today. Um, I'll talk to my manager and I'll see if he's okay if I help you with this, but I can't do this priority. It becomes a very great way to teach people how to organize their time, be more productive, but be productive that is of purpose, that actually has a really good outcome, not just busy work, right? But actually leads to goals and strategies. So that's the shift that has to happen. Uh, But it's really hard to get into that shift when people are drowning in firefighting all the time. Because they don't have that stuff. (laughs) It's true. And that, that aligns, you know, there are a lot of things that, that, as we talked about really drive productivity, right. And my, my level of engagement is going to affect my level of attention and sense of urgency and connection and ownership of these initiatives. Right. And so Mm -hmm. some of the things you're talking about, about, you know, sharing the strategic information and empowering others to be able to make the decisions on their priorities and what they're focusing on really aligns with what we see at the Waterstone Culture Institute as key drivers of high performance, which is Um, being connected to meaningful work, knowing how my work contributes to the bigger picture and how my priorities, right, fit into the bigger picture and um, feeling accountable and um, empowered that my leaders trust me and support me in making decisions within my scope of responsibility, right? And, And driving the work myself and making decisions and being able to say, actually, no, I can't take that on right now because these are the priorities that are most important to achieving our goals. Um, so everything that you said really aligns well to, to some of those attributes that are, are really important. Mm -hmm. And so, um, Adriana, then what, you know, what are the signs then that leaders should be looking for that are like red flags flashing, you know, the top two that says, Hey, wait a minute, you really need, we need to stop and look at how we're working here as a team. That's so hard. Microsoft did a great study over COVID and they talked about how this, how the importance of hybrid workplace is Mm. going to be really critical. And part of that study indicated how leaders think that everything is going well 
with the current working from home situation when in reality the employer employees feel like you said the burnout's too high mm-hmm. so there's a disconnect so i bring that up because in my world of efficiency of lean and six sigma we talk about um you know walking the floor uh there to say that is there here's the thing i i love metrics i love i love metrics I, I'm, I'm a freaking engineer I love data. Um, you know, I, I do efficiency work all the time, so I have to. I have to work off of data. But I'm also. I've learned from the lean and the lean world that the best answer you get is when you go to the root and you walk the floor and you talk to the people. Mm-hmm. So one of the things we don't have with COVID is leaders walking the floor. So what they see is they see that things are getting done. So. Right. That's great. They're, you know, the managers are saying everything is fine, but if you actually speak to the people, they'll tell you how burnt out they are and how they're not too sure they can continue like this. Right. Or that, you know, maybe they're getting a little bit bored because they don't have the fun stuff anymore. Right. Like the creativity fun stuff. So you're not going to get that with a metric. Absolutely. And you so, know what, Adriana, hold that thought. Cause we're going to yeah. come back from break and we'll, we'll move from the data to the actual, you know, <laughs> yeah. hearing it from the ground floor. So, um, stay tuned. We'll be right back with Adriana. Find out what makes the most successful people tick. Keep listening to the voice America empowerment channel, VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. One of the many things this past year made clear is that the world of work has been forever changed, and it is especially evident in the way leaders must now lead if they want the best from their people. At the Waterstone Culture Institute, we provide leaders with the tools and practices most essential to high-performing teams and cultures. Discover the three things the most effective leaders will do in 2021 with our free webinar. Visit waterstonehc.com slash culturewebinar and watch it today. Find out what's happening on the Voice America Talk Radio Network by keeping up with us on Twitter. You can find us at Voice America TRN. You are tuned into Leading on Purpose with Nicole Vendely. Discover more about Nicole and how the team at Waterstone Human Capital helps leaders to build high-performance teams and cultures at waterstonehc.com. Now, back to Leading on Purpose. All right, welcome back. So let's pick up where we left off, Adriana, where we were talking about you were sharing how as much as you love data, it's not everything. Right. Yeah, it's it's not. And and I think that's where the big disconnect comes from is that you have senior executives and leaders who are so busy um, with the visionary aspect of the company, the strategy, um, if it's a global organization, all the traveling they do, et cetera, that they do become very disconnected with what's actually going on. And depending on how they are as leaders, um, if they have a really good, open, honest um sort of relationship with their senior management, then they'll probably get some really good insight. But let's be honest, um, those kind of leaders are far and few between, I find. I find there's a lot of ego in leadership, uh, and maybe it's because of how much you have to sacrifice when you get into those roles, uh, and that any sane person would really think twice about, (laughs) you know what I mean? Um, But, uh, you know, and and so there's there's this huge uh, disconnect. So the data only tells you the data, only gives you the numbers, but it doesn't necessarily give you the truth true feedback of what's really happening because, you know, when there's discontent or people aren't feeling connected, quality starts to slip. Um, people start to leave because they're too overwhelmed. And, and so, um, you know, the old fashion of walking around a leader, all leaders should be walking around and chatting to everyone. You would get so much information, more information than you'll ever get in any spreadsheet and any dashboard in anything. And that should be part of the routine because, you know, leader's job is not just about making profit for the organization. Yeah, that's one of it. I'm, I'm not going to pretend. I mean, you know, I'm not a non, I'm not a non-for-profit. I'm a for-profit organization. Darn straight. I'm interested in that, but that's not my only goal. 
right? I have a whole bunch of other goals and aspects. And if you do everything else really well, the profitability comes, right? Yeah. It's, it's funny how those, like, it's not about just focus on profitability, focus on your employees, the quality of work, your customers bringing value. And if you do that all the time, like I'm very blessed. I don't look for business. Business comes to me. I get repeat business constantly. Why? Because of the quality of work. I'm never worried about Cornerstone and we're, what we're going to do next because there's always something going on, right? People, I have long-term relationships with all of my clients who keep on calling me back. So that's why I'm never worried about where's our next project coming from or what's profitability of the organization? Because when you focus on everything else and you make sure your team is doing well and that you're delivering good quality and you're doing it effectively and efficiently as well. So touching it only once, right? So that you're not passing off those extra costs to your customer because that drives me nuts too, right? So, I mean, you have to talk to the people and you'll get, and that's the fingers on the pulse and you're going to get a lot more information that way. And it takes time, energy, and effort to do it, but it is so worth it. Yeah. It is so so worth worth it. it. And, you know, the, the organizations that don't focus on building culture and, um, not just to create a great place to work. This isn't about creating a great place to work. This is about driving performance, driving the bottom line. We cannot be competitive in the world unless we have a high performance culture that is directly driving that performance. And a high performance culture is completely reliant upon our people, right? And and the way in which they feel about the organization and how they're supported in bringing their very best self. And so those kinds of leaders that you're talking about who are disconnected from their people are not long for this world because their businesses won't be long for this world because they will have incredibly high turnover and, you know, lower productivity because people are so disengaged. And so the world requires a new kind of leader who is connected and doesn't see connecting with their people walking the floor as a chore. It is their job. It is their part of their responsibility in, 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 um, in leadership. That's what great leaders do. So, um, completely aligned with everything you've said there. Now, um, let's bring this back to us as just individual people trying to get through the day, right? Like, and trying to be (laughs) as productive as we can. Absolutely. So, um, talk to me, talk to us about like, what are best, you know, practices in the morning? What, how, what's the best way to structure our days? So can you share some best practices that, that you share to help people just be more productive through the day? Yeah. So, you know what, I'll, I'll get to the day in the moment, but I think in order to be productive in the day, you got to know what to pick to do in your day. Right. And I think, cause a lot of people, I call it, you know, my Ted talk, I call it the white noise of life. It's really easy to get stuck in that white noise of life and just start doing things, thinking that it's productive and maybe you're getting things done, but it's ultimately, are you reaching towards your ultimate goal in life? So think about what we just talked. We talked about organizations. Every organization will have a vision statement, will have strategies and goals set around that vision statement, which then cascades into their activities that they choose to do, which then also cascades into daily activities. So if you take that same concept, that's what individuals need to do because it's so easy to get lost and sucked into the white noise or busyness of life that time will pass and you quote unquote wake up and then realize what have I been spending my time on? So time is precious. It slips. I can't control it. Nobody can. So why waste it? And what I mean by that is not that every minute has to be planned and organized, but if I'm going to focus my attention on something, it better be towards something that I'm trying to achieve, right? Versus something that is not going to achieve. Even if that, that achievement is peace or mindful moment or whatever you define as achievement in that time, do you mean, or does it have to be a specific tangible? No, it's, it's, I think having mindfulness techniques is a great way to keep you centered and grounded and kept out of the vortex of craziness or the busyness, even your own thoughts in our head where we get overwhelmed. So I, I, I'm a meditator. I graduated from U of T with mindfulness. So I even bring that into my organization because I'm very holistic in my approach here. So I, I get it. So I'm not saying, you know, uh, 
meditating and taking a mindful moment is not wasting time. It, to me, it's very productive. Okay. Yeah, because, yeah, that's why I'm, because, I'm clarifying. No, like, even because, if the goal is to no, because you are sort of calm and focused, then that's well, one way of achieving it. That's, that's, that's where your personal vision statement comes into play. What's important to you. So if, if part of having more peace and grounding in your life is part of right. your goals, then guess what? Don't watch TV, Netflix, and get sucked into a series that has, you know, 10 episodes, okay, yeah. that we all easily, myself included, yeah. um, can totally watch three and go, where in the heck did three hours go by? So, you know, watch one, but then go and meditate if that party right. goal. That's the point is that we, we don't know what to turn off and turn on because we're not clear with what is it we're trying to do. So, you know, let's, you know, there is the best practice that organizations do that are successful. And any individual who we look at and we deem to be successful is they'll tell you up front, I'm very goal oriented. I have an idea as to what's important to me and what I want out of my life. And I structure my activities around that and I break them down into manageable chunks so that I can achieve those manageable chunks. And every stepping stone I take forward ultimately leads me to the ultimate goal because goals are, you know, some are easily achievable. Some are pretty out there, right? And they may take years in order to achieve. So, you know, from that standpoint, that's very important because when it comes to the day and I wake up, um, I already know because I plan the night before, which is now a technique of deciding what I'm going to work on. Mm-hmm. Right, based on the time I have, the meetings, etc. I I got videos on YouTube on this, so there's more, <laughs> there's more stuff that I can um, talk about it. But so you know, I I say that because then you can use any technique to look at your day and decide what you're going to work on. But you should minimally work on one item that's going to move you toward your goal every day. One item. That's it. That's all you have to do. It's not overwhelming. And you'll be amazed how much more you are actually personally achieving that you want to achieve and have um, passion for and purpose with uh, if you were to do that. And so, you know, other techniques to, to let you know, I mean, there's a, you know, getting up early. It's very well known that the beginning of the day is less hectic than the middle or end of a day. So getting up early, getting the, you know, eating the frog by doing the hardest task first is, you know, usually a really good technique. Uh, Giving yourself hour intervals because our minds really are good for about, you know, one hour. And then we have to have a little bit of a break, uh, which you then you can do a mindful moment if you want, or a little meditation. (laughs) Get two things in there. Uh, Although you don't have to. Um, So, yeah, I mean, you know, getting into a planning. So, you know, understand what your tasks are, break those down, prioritize them, you know, all the things that you would do at work to make work successful. This is what I find amazing. I don't know why people don't bring those same concepts into their personal life. Mm -hmm. It's like all of a sudden they come home and they turn off. Right. Like don't turn off, um, you know, turn on and, Take what you know works well in different avenues and and incorporate them. But the big thing is, is understand what you want out of your life. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Even just just one goal yeah. and, and start moving towards it. And that in itself is really powerful, whatever that goal may be. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, what's coming to mind is, you know, are you, are you finding through your conversations and work, those, those individuals who are working from home with kids at home? Are you finding that they've learned to become more productive and and more structured because they've got so many more things on the go? Or has that been um, more of a hindrance to productivity? Like, have they learned strategies as a result of the chaos now or the all the things on the go? Um. No, what I get from a lot of people is what they realize is how much they need a babysitter. Right. Fair (laughs) enough. I know. Because it's really hard. Because because like you're, because you're two year old or you're five. They don't, they have no concept. concept You just spoke to me five minutes ago when you keep (laughs) on doing these minor stoppages. Cause I call those minor stoppages interruptions constantly. There's there, those, those minor interruptions that our kids 
lovingly do, mom, can you help me get this? Mom, can you turn on this? What I find, if anything, is that uh, parents, uh, I'm fortunate my kids are much older. I don't have to deal with that anymore. <laughs> but, um, you know, parents are finding that, you know, they're uh, they're making the computer and TV do more babysitting. Well, that's it, right? Time. It's it's So they it's, can get focused. Which yeah. Is yeah, that's, that's a hard part. I don't blame them. I don't blame them. Yeah, no, me neither. I, I mean, I would the, do the judgment and guilt, we've all had to let go of it as yeah. parents um, this year because yeah. it's just, you've got to do what you got to do to, to get through your day sometimes yeah. and get but some then, things done. But then what happens is, um, because I think there is judgment, there is guilt, um, that uh, you start working at night. Exactly. You're right. To yeah. catch up. Oh my goodness, I didn't do this. So there's, so in a way, being at work, keep you focused. Mm -hmm. Right. And then you can, so I think that's a big thing too, is at least when you went to an office, um, you, there was this division when I got home, I really could be at home. There's those of us who have the ability to work in both, uh, quite well, but you'll be amazed. That's not the norm. I think most people, um, you know, really do need to, like, I, I know my own team, you know, there's, there's a few who are excellent at working from home and can work anywhere. Cause it's just their style. And mm-hmm. there's others who are doing a great job working from home, but I can see how much more they thrive when they're in the office. So Adriana, we just have a couple of minutes left, two minutes left, and just want to get a sense from you. You know, I always end on this note. What is your hope for our listeners? What's one wish What's one hope you have for them? Um, let go of fear is, 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 is a hope I have because fear holds us back and fear and whatever that may be. So um, really be who you are, let go of any fears and, uh, you know, move forward in whatever you do. Awesome. I love that. Well, thank you so much, Adriana. I appreciate your insights and your best practices. Um, Remember, you can check out all things um, productivity and project management um, at uh, cornerstonedynamics.com. Check out Adriana's Slay Project Management online course and uh, watch her YouTube videos. And for those of you who want to discover what the best leaders in 2021 are going to do, please check out our complimentary webinar on demand at uh, waterstonehc.com. And you can check out that that webinar. So um, I look forward to our next time together. All the best for the coming week. And we'll talk to you all soon. Thanks, Adriana. Thank you so much, Nicole. Thank you for joining us this week. Please tune in again for another edition of Leading on Purpose with your host, Nicole Bendeley on the Voice America Empowerment Channel next Monday at 12 noon Pacific Time and 3 p.m. Eastern Time. Have a wonderful week.